Welcome to the Code Rednet Podcast. All right, welcome to the very first Code Rednet Podcast. I'm Thrasher, it sounds weird to say. I'm Chicken Man. It's very odd saying that out loud. But yeah, yeah, we've never actually called each other these names. No, that's the truth. They are pseudonyms. Uh, we do not use them in public. <laughs> it would be odd it's if we names or anything earned or. No, and no. I do not. I do not. I have a, a Thrasher skateboard T-shirt that I wear sometimes, but nobody knows what it means to me. So. No, and all time. No, we made these names in like fifth grade or earlier. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or sixth grade, I don't know. It's a that, long time ago. Yep, that's the whole point, is that we are celebrating 10 years, and that's, again, something that sounds very odd to say, 10 years online uh, for the whole site. We were on geocities.com for uh, quite a while. Yeah, does anybody remember that? I, I mean, <sighs> might, but Geocities Page Builder. Page Builder. Yes, we use Page Builder. And that was, again, we mentioned it before, but it was a beast to handle. Oh, it's... Unwieldy. Yeah, I mean, I love what we have going now with uh, Blogger. It's yeah. just, post your review, you have it right there. I mean, exactly. And you can change it. We, As you probably noticed, we have a new look for the website. It doesn't look like it's from 2001 anymore. <laughs> Which I thought had a certain charm to it that looked exactly the same. Yeah, but I think it's run its course. I think it looks fresh and new now. It looks like it looks like we used to have a, a Burger King, and now we have like a a whole wheat vegan friendly uh, website, <laughs> fresh and new. Right. <laughs> um, but the, basically, yeah, we ten years. We're on GeoCities. We're on Blogger now, um, and that's basically the brief history of the site. Now we're doing podcasts, so it's quite a jump. Uh, and what we used to do. I don't yeah. imagine... I mean, I wish we would have had podcasts back then. That would have been hilarious to listen to now. Yeah. Even more funny than the reviews we do. Right. Yeah, I remember, you know, when we were first creating this in my basement, you know, 2001. <laughs> and, yeah, Sit in the basement, created on my sister's computer, and we were playing <laughs> Nintendo 64 at the time. And, I mean, that game, well, probably one of my favorite games for Nintendo 64 was The World Is Not Enough. Yes, we call and it Twine. Twine, right. That's the acronym. That's the pet name I like to think of it as. <laughs> we love it, so we call it Twine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we don't, I mean, we don't, I mean, it's, we call it that because we love it. We don't call Die Another Day Dad because we love it. <laughs> Good point. Good point. So, yeah, no, we played that in your basement, and Twine was one of our favorites to play. And we used to play multiplayer a lot, and it was just you and I, so we were very thankful that we had the AI bot, or Al bot, as you used to call them. Yeah. Um, so we could play four player. We could play uh, death matches that had two versus two, us against two uh, computer players, or four, three for all, four players, or whatever. 
And that's basically the subject for today is um, the AI bot, which is something that we've noticed uh, has kind of fallen away from uh, shooters online and offline. Um, so we wanted to kind of bring it up to everyone's attention, uh, some kind of grassroots activism, I guess. Uh, <laughs> basically, the thing we got to do first, though, is we have to define what an AI bot is. Right. And... What I see in AI bot as is pretty much just, well, we usually see them in shooters. That's what I most commonly associate them with. And they take the place of where you would usually have a human player. Right. Or even can supplement what you have for human players. Right. And then, the, again, the key word there that you use is replacement. I think in some way it has to serve uh, as a replacement for a human player. Otherwise, it doesn't really qualify as an AI bot like you would play if you played a game of NBA basketball uh, and you play the computer. It's not really, you're playing the AI, but it's not really an AI bot per se. Um, it's always going to be a computer player, but it's not quite the same. So we're talking about shooters, uh, first person, third person. Um, and I know Twine was definitely the first one that I ever played with bots, for sure. Right. Um, but the one that really kind of pushed it for me was we was time splitters because that had ten bots. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, and the the thing that was great about that, and th this is where we talk about the uh, benefits of having bots. I think for me the benefit, one of the major benefits, is the fact that it makes the um, the multiplayer games more exciting. So even if you have four players there with you and you can add bots onto it, it makes it ten times what it was. It makes it so much better, and the map's so much more fun. Yeah, I'm thinking of something like GoldenEye. The biggest you can get is four players. Right. And today, that just seems like not even enough for one team, really. Right, yeah. No, it's totally it's outdated now. I mean, even Twine has bots, but some of those matches seem so incredibly small. Yeah. Small scale. Um... But, I mean, one of the things that we always bring up, too, though, is that it allows you to practice uh, before you play real players or now online players. Um, you can get some kind of practice, get your feet wet in some way so you can be a better player. Right. Um, an example I like to use of like, a game that I jumped into where I was out of my depth was SOCOM and... You could only have that multiplayer experience online, and you're often paired up with players who are much better than you are. And also the fact that a lot of the content, a lot of the maps that you play on, are only available online. Right. And those you just, and a lot of them, like some of them I liked, were not very popular at all, so you wouldn't really get to play them. And I mean, that's not a problem that you'd have in Time Splitters, where every map that's available online is also offline, and you can play that offline as well. Everything about that game was available. You could play it online, but it was all offline, too. Right. Even the map maker was completely online. You could upload your maps. I think we I uploaded a map, if I recall, at your house once. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was... You know, part of the Time Splitters experience, really, I mean, 
they made it so that even offline, totally offline, you'd have a complete experience. And I feel like that's something yeah. that you don't experience anymore. Well, I mean, you do experience it, but for a lot of shooters, they're basically made for the online market. Right. Hey, absolutely. Um, I know we talked about it uh, last time, but um, again, like on the blog, I mention this, I harp on it, I go on and on about it, and I kind of get sick of reading it myself, but I talk about replayability a lot, and to me, bots just add to replayability so much that you, that the game's lifespan just continues and continues and continues when you have yeah. bots. I feel like that is one of the strongest points for the bots. Um, years into the future, when you can no longer play games online, or some games, because there's just nobody there, or the server's taken down. Right. You'll still be able to enjoy the multiplayer experience. Absolutely. I mean, because you can go back and play the single-player game if it has one, like the campaign. Yeah. And that's fun, and to some degree it's fun. The thing about it, though, is that it's always going to pretty much always be the same experience. If it's a pretty linear like type of game, it'll be the same right. story no matter what. Um and most shooters are like that. There's not a lot of like Grand Theft Auto first person shooters. I mean that no. really doesn't exist. It would it would be too hard to do, I think. Um but when you play a game with bots, the experience is gonna be at least somewhat different every time because you can configure the bots and they're random, like they're not like on a path where they start out at the same point in the level and you encounter them all at the same time at the same place. It's just going to be like a random multiplayer match. So new stuff is going to happen all the time. Right. Um, and you're really in control of that experience, unlike when you're online. Like I was saying, I was paired up with people out of my league, whereas in a game like Nightfire, you could customize the bots to, I mean, on many levels, like their character traits, what they'd emphasize in what they do, either like be vengeful or collectors right. and uh, also how much health they had and all of that stuff. So, yeah, you really could customize your experience on, like, you can do online or with a story mode. Yeah, no, and Nightfire, I played that a few days ago. I uh, played a couple rounds, and I did put some, I changed the, tried around with the uh, different, settings that you could do for the bots, and they really do actually work. I mean, I put some as the, as the uh, like, protector type, where they'd follow you around, and they actually do, like, whenever you're near them, they zip right over to where you are, and they'll follow you around, and just with their guns out, looking in all directions, and I thought that was really cool that they do that. Um, there's also, like, yeah, like, vengeful, like, they'll go after the last person that killed them, or whatever, um, but they actually do work, and they actually make sense. Yeah. Helps. Right. Right. And uh, one of the things you mentioned again, playing online. I mean, when you have no bots, you have no room to improve. There's no, there's no breathing room. You just jump online, and it's just, no matter what, you're gonna get beaten down, and it's, it, it's so depressing. Like when I play Goldeneye online, it's so depressing to play. It does actually does the opposite of what it should do. I stop having fun and I, I just don't want to play it anymore because I don't I don't mind losing, but I don't like losing all the time. Yeah, it becomes work. Yeah. yeah, with 
especially with SOCOM, it's kind of depressing when you're running out in the open and you just get sniped and you got to wait 10 minutes until the next round. Yeah. You have no idea who's getting you or where it's coming from. Right. And you have no control over it. No. No, it, it absolutely. And that, I mean, when we talk about bots too, I mean, we have to talk about online because I think in some direct way, online gameplay is responsible for why there are so few games with AI bots or with offline multiplayer split screen support in any way. It just seems like online games are directly related to that. Yeah, it's, most people would probably tell you that bots are no longer needed because if you want to have, if you want to play multiplayer, you just go online because there's someone always available. Right. And then, but, again, you can see the, and maybe this is just me because I like playing against bots, but you can, I can just immediately sense the problems with that because, I mean, you can play against anyone online virtually at any time you want if it's a game still new and popular. Um, but the problem is you don't know who you're playing against, so the experience you have online can be erratic at best. You can play, have a really good experience, or you can have, I think more often, some have a really bad experience because you play against cheaters or whoever, people that are just annoying sometimes, too. I mean... Right. Like, bots and online players aren't perfect substitutes. There's right. a lot of drawbacks to online players. And there's some advantages, too. But, yeah. I mean, you won't have bots shooting you in the back when they're on your team, you know? Huh. You won't have bots cheat against you. No. You, um, yeah, you, you won't have bots insult you either. Uh, no, that's <laughs> and, and they won't they won't insult you in uh, childish voices either. No, in prepubescent voices. That's not. Yeah, that's even that's, that's even worse. <laughs> insult to injury. I mean, it's, yeah. Right. It's, so we there's definitely a, a change that we can chart. I mean, you probably could even draw up like a a chart of games, online multiplayer games, and it's just exponentially, it just keeps going up, and you can chart the number of games that have bots, and it'll be equally exponentially bad on the other side. And so I think it stopped being, because online is so easy, and because it's so easy to get online and uh, connect wirelessly to the Internet, that unlike when Times Square's Future Perfect came out, it's not like a novelty or something cool, that the game has online play, now it's a requirement, virtually a requirement, if you want your game to sell well or to do well, you need to have online of some kind. And there's really almost no excuse not to do it because it's so easy to to get online to play. Right. Selling, yeah. And, like, even though it is easy, I mean, personally speaking, some of us, you know, I guess personally, I can't really justify paying the subscription fee for Xbox Live. Right. And I assume that there are some others in the same boat, and so we miss out on this multiplayer experience for a lot of games. Yeah. And But maybe we're just a minority. Um, right. That's just a fact of the matter. I'm pretty... I, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain that the kind of opinions we have are in the minority... Um, but it's not something, it's not a minority opinion that would completely change the way the game is made. 
where like they'd have to totally market the game to us and make the game for us. All you'd have to do is have your multiplayer able to play offline and put in a couple of computer-controlled uh, opponents, just like you have in your single-player game, which most of them have. It wouldn't be much of a of a new thing to do. Exactly. I'm, I mean, not that I'm an expert in the subject, but imagine that having these few additions wouldn't be that troublesome to add. No. Or costly. I don't think so either. I mean, again, yeah, we don't, we're not programmers, so it's hard to tell, but they're already making extremely complex games. They're programming these games that are very difficult to imagine to make. And then we're asking them, or we want them to, put in some technology which is old. You know what I mean? Like, bots are an old idea. Like, 10 years, 12 years old. Probably even older than that. Right. Um, so it can't be hard. As far as I go, the return on investment would be huge, because years into the future, I have this game that I can still play as if it were new. Right. Because, right. I mean, playing... Call of Duty, the first Modern Warfare, I don't know if anybody's still online. Right. Or even other games that we've been talking about, um, PS2 games, I doubt many people are online for those. So you essentially have just story modes. And when they made the games, those weren't the selling feature. It was the online play, which no longer exists for them, right. either because servers not available or people just aren't on there available to play with. Yeah. No, that's that's very true. And I mean one of the again we mentioned time splitters earlier. Time splitters like we've said this before, time splitters to me is like the absolute best value for like a first person shooter I've ever seen any of the games. All three of them really. Probably the uh, last two specifically. But those games last so long. Time Splitters 2 came out, I think, in 2002. I still play it. I mean, it's 10 years later. Um, and I'm still playing it fairly frequently. Those games just last. The bots are a big part of that. Yeah, and it's and as important as bots are, you know, I believe that it's just part of this overall trend of kind of neglecting the offline player. Yeah. Um, because being that Time Splitters 2 was pretty much made for the offline. Right. Um, you've had your story mode, but it also includes so many things. Yeah, challenge mode. Challenge mode. You had the multiplayer. and A multiplayer league. I mean, that. Yeah. I feel like that just demonstrates that, you know, Multiplayer is special, and like we've already said, you know, if you can't access that years into the future, you've lost something. Right, exactly. And the thing and about map, like, Time Splitters had Map Maker, too. Yeah. And um, not only just was it, like, like Time Splitters 1 has Map Maker, too, as well, you know, as well. But the great thing about the Map Maker and Time Splitters 2 and Future Perfect is not only could you make multiplayer maps, you could make single-player maps. So really, the the replay value of that game is practically infinite. You can yeah. make story maps forever, and it will keep a game going if you're good at it. It's hard to do. I've tried a couple times. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you could do it. I mean, if, if you put some time to it, you can do it. 
Yeah, and the great thing about the third one was that you could share these maps. Yeah. So I'd really like to see more of an attitude where it isn't either or, offline or online. Right. Like, really, they should supplement each other. Yeah, I think I think Future Perfect is probably the perfect example of what we're talking about here, where you have the mm-hmm. best of both worlds. You have a game that is completely sustainable and fine on its own and will last forever offline, and then you also have online for, I can't remember how many years it was online, like five or six or something, where it would last, you could play that online for five or six years. And so you get both, and it's great. Yeah, and you still have, like you said, everything still intact. Yes, absolutely. There wasn't anything available online that you couldn't get offline. Yeah, and when we talk about offline with bots or even without them, uh, you brought up a great point earlier about um, the Wii being a great multiplayer experience, and we we talked about we wanted to talk about the playing offline and playing with people that are actually in your house or in your place um, playing the games with you is a totally different experience than playing it, playing some anonymous avatar online that is supposedly representing somebody real. Yeah, I mean, especially as far as shooters go, I think a lot of them, you really can't play multiplayer with each other. Right. So it's more than just about you know, playing with bots, it's about being able to enjoy it with people around you. Right. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think bots are a strong symptom of the whole culture of ignoring offline multiplayer and are probably, to me, the most visible, most tangible, like, problem with that. It's like the thing that, right. the thing that I notice the most, but it's not the only part. Right. It's, I mean, it's turning you know, these types of games into really quite solitary experiences. Yeah. I mean, at best, you get co-op. I mean, even that, adding more, I mean, co-op is, you know, a special experience in and of itself. I mean, you get three or four, that's, you know, different as well. Right. And, well, I know in, you know, the more recent uh, Call of Duty games, they do have those co-op abilities, which is nice, but any more than that, and I think somebody's going to have to sit and watch. Right, and that's, that's the thing. I've been around people, watching people play online, and it's kind of interesting for a little while, but again, you know, you kind of just want to you want to play too, you know what I mean? Like it's, just, it's not fun to watch somebody do something and then just sit there and watch them. You want to be involved, and it's more fun to be involved, and it's a better experience socially to have two people playing than one where one watches. Yeah, or, without a doubt. So, you know, when, when we talk about those great games and we talked about bots being a symptom of a larger culture that ignores offline games, I think, you know, for me, for some of my favorite offline games with bots or that are made better by bots are, again, we mentioned James Bond, Twine, um, The World's Not Enough, had the bots. It's much better because of it. And I think That's the same people who made Twine made Nightfire. I'm pretty right. sure about that. So you yeah. can see that that carries over. Right. Um, we mentioned Agent Under Fire and the fact that it didn't have bots, at least for the PS2 version. Yes. I mean, that was a big gaping hole. I mean, it is. 
where you see so much capability. Yeah, and you know what the funny thing is, is like, I got a Wii, um, I have a Wii in my house, and so you can play GameCube games on it, and I have, I bought a copy for $4 of Age Under Fire, just so I could play multiplayer. I mean, I beat that game a million times, I don't need to beat it again, but I have the multiplayer, and it's hilarious. It's so much fun. I spent like an hour and a half playing it a few days ago. And it was so much fun. You know, you turn the uh, anti-gravity on, and then jetpacks, and then the cute flies. So we're jumping around in slow motion like, like Spider-Man and shooting rockets at each other. It was hilarious. It was so funny. And it was so enjoyable. that I know the PS2 version it just suffers for it. It was just so much fun. Yeah, and the thing is, you're buying that GameCube game, you know, years after it was released, and you still have this experience available to you. Right. It's it was great. Yeah. Yeah, and today, if something like that existed in a modern game, you probably wouldn't have the same opportunity. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, just going back to that point of longevity and replayability. Right. Yep. And we mentioned Time Splitters. That's, again, always one of my favorites as Absolutely. far as the bots are go. They're not quite as uh, customizable as the ones in Nightfire are, where you can, you know, tailor them to be aggressors or pacifists or whatever. Um, yeah. And uh, But you can change their difficulty to some degree. They have different traits, like Time Splitters 2 and Future Perfect. If you remember, you could, you know, some of them couldn't be lit on fire. Mm-hmm. And they had different stats. Some were tougher than others, faster, whatever. Well, there was some kind of difference between them. Um, yeah, and I know you could change, like, the number of stars they had. Yeah, right. That was the yeah. difficulty. I never so. got the sense that that did too much. I mean, it kind of made them a little tougher, but not much. Especially yeah. in the first few games. Future Perfect was a little different, but. Yeah, but still, I mean, bots were great. But you can, yeah, exactly. You can do something. And again, Time Splitters had 10 uh, bots that you could have. So if you have even four players playing with you, that means you have 14 people on that map with you. And that's yeah. a much different experience than like Goldeneye, where it's just two people. You yeah. Know, two versus 14, it's just no contest. No. It's not that you always want to load your map up to the max. I mean, that's in some cases, some of the maps on time splitters are small, mm-hmm. so you can really make it very chaotic. But I mean, if you if that's what you want, but yeah, you can do eight. Point here, it's choice. Yeah, exactly. Choice is the kind of the the key word here. Um, one of the other games that I really love that we that we both love that Code Red Net loves is Winback. Oh yes. And we love it for many and varied reasons. One of them being the voiceovers. Yes, hilarious. Which are exclusive. I mean, the dialogue was bad on N64, but there was no voices no. to give no. it. So it didn't strike you as being that bad. But when you add the audio and the unbelievable <laughs> actors that you give in the PS2 one, it adds a whole other level to it, and it makes it that much funnier. Oh, yeah. Go check out the... Code Red Net YouTube channel where uh, Thrasher has painstakingly created the experience that you know one gets in that. 
Yeah. Both with the bad ending, which, you know, um, how much time did that take? Well, here's what I did. To get the bad ending, you need, I think you needed over 10 hours of playing the game. And if you play the game as an adult, I don't see how you could take 10 hours to beat it. I mean, even the tough levels, you just replay them, but then the, the clock goes back to where you were when you started the level. I don't imagine anyone taking that long to beat that game. I really don't. Even if okay. you wandered around as best you can. <laughs> um, so, so I went, I went to work one day and turned it on and left the game. I turned my TV off, but left the PlayStation on. And then I just came back home. And then it was eight hours later on the game clock. And then I just beat the game. Um, and then I got the bad ending and recorded all the videos for it. And then they were hilarious and funny. And then we have yeah. we have that video. We also have another video on there that's for um, I think it's called Winback Stand Up Comedy. <laughs> it's just a selection. I made it at the same time of all the bad one liners in that game, and and it was quite a quite a task to make that video under two minutes because there's so many, <laughs> there's so many great one liners. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with Winback, you should go check out those videos. Yeah. But one of the other features that we like, the PS2 version of WinBack was the bot mode. Yes, the bot mode was exclusive, like the audio, <laughs> like the voiceover. They should have advertised that, I think, that they had bad voiceover. Um, yeah, but the uh, bot mode was exclusive to PS2, and basically the bot mode was, uh, it was like an extension of the multiplayer mode, which is that they have four-player four split-screen deathmatch mode, which is fun, too. And then they had, a, it's bot modes two players, and you can have eight bots, and you can put them on two different teams, and just basically have a big deathmatch. And it's really, really fun and enjoyable. You and I, we had a lot of great time playing that, uh, playing long deathmatches on that, in your, yeah. in your parents' basement. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it definitely made a complete win-back experience yeah. with yeah. the bot mode. Yeah, and you can play through the single player and unlock players for bot mode. You'd unlock extra characters, like the bosses and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. that was definitely a variety there, some colorful characters. Yes, and if you know anything about win-back, maybe we should do another video just highlighting the, the fashion of win-back. Yes. They had some outfits that are <laughs> unbelievable. I remember there was one guy, what was his name, Banderas or something like that? <laughs> and he had green camo and then like cheetah print knee pads and elbow pads and stuff. And it was just ludicrous. And a big red mullet. I have to with a big like Irish red hair mullet. And it's the ugliest thing you've ever seen, but it was so funny. Yeah. He might show up in one of those videos we made, actually. I'm not sure. But... Yeah. Check that out. Anyway, so yeah, Winback is a game that is definitely made better because it has bots and a whole other mode for bots. Right. Definitely a strong choice. What about uh, games that should have bots, that don't, that suffer for it? Um, well, no one series that was, that is probably at the top of my list that could have used bots was the Splinter Cell series, which the online play was totally different from offline. Well, not totally different, but it was very different. 
and it's been different with each reiteration of it from Pandora tomorrow on. But the thing is, I don't imagine people are still playing those online. They might not even be available online anymore. Yeah, and so you have these great game modes that, I mean, just are inaccessible now. I mean, I'm not sure if the server's up. You might be able to actually play it if you find people (laughs) to uh, (laughs) schedule a time play. But if not, I mean, it's like lost history. Yes. Uh, so that's definitely one series. That right. I mean, it's like it's like in um, it's like in literature where they have that uh, if they have an ancient text that they find, and mm-hmm. uh, it has that little note, it'll put uh, lacuna in text, and it'll have little brackets around it. it. Basically, means that it's missing and they can't find it. And I feel yeah. like some of these games they should just have that on them. Yeah. When the online goes off, it should just say lacuna in text, and it's just like, you can't, we don't know what this is, we have no idea. <laughs> you know, like, that's kind of what it is for me, basically. Yeah, it's sad. And it doesn't need to be that way, that's what we're saying. Yeah. Right. And uh, we talked, again, We, you know, one of the games that we grew up playing, we talked about Twine in, in your sister's, in your parents' basement, <laughs> and um, it wasn't your sister's basement. And we played Twine, and we played Agent Under Fire, and we played Nightfire. So Bond games have always been a big thing for us. And they always, almost always had bots, because they were always first-person shooters. Unless, mm-hmm. like, Tomorrow Never Dies or something. Um, right. Which, <laughs> we don't have to talk about Tomorrow Never Dies, but... No. Another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> another podcast. Anyway, the uh, idea that they have all these bots, they kind of went away as the Bond games went on, and as PS2 kind of went away and then it became PS3 and Xbox 360. The Bond games kept going, but they dropped the offline multiplayer completely in many cases. Um, The last one from PS2 was from Russia with Love, and that doesn't have bots. And we've talked about this. It's it's a good game, and I've played the multiplayer by myself. (laughs) It's not, you know what I mean? Like you plug another controller, and I just wanted to see what you could do and what it looked like. And what the maps look like. And it looks cool, and the maps look awesome. There's cars that you could drive, and jetpacks, and I'm sure, like, if you had four players, it'd be mayhem, and it'd be a lot of fun. But there's no bots, so there's no way you can do it. There's no way you can even play it. Oh, no, unless you have three other people who... Right, and you have a PS2 multi-tap. Yeah, the multi-tap. Or even if you have a... I mean, you have to have a PS2 multi-tap if you want to drag your PS2 out. If you have PS3, I don't even know if that game would work if you have a newer PS3. I know some of the older ones can play PS2, but some can't, so I don't, you know. Yeah. And I don't even know if a multi-tap would work in that case. I don't even know. I have no idea. Yeah, it's a shame. You have all these capabilities and just not the access, I guess, to, to enjoy them. The strange thing is, though, like on PS3, I know you can play PS1 games. And they work fine. But PS2 games... Backwards compatibility to PS1, but not to PS2. Which strikes me as being very odd. That is odd. I don't know why that's... I don't... But anyway. So the newer Bond games, just like From Russia With Love, don't have online support... Offline support in any way. None of them do. So I beat Bloodstone, like I said, in about five hours or so. It didn't take very long. And they have multiplayer, but I don't subscribe to Xbox live so I can't play that game online 
I don't even know if it's any good or not. I don't know if I'd like it, but I would at least like to give it a shot, you know. Right. And, you know, not having Xbox Live makes it you know, very difficult. Right, yeah. And you have to pay that the $50, which, again, like you, I don't even know if it'd be worth it for me to to even spend that money. Right. And you don't, well, you don't have that capability of plugging in the other controller just to see what it's like. Yeah, no, exactly. You can't even do that. And that's not even fun at all. And you can't even do that that much. Can't even get a preview, really. Yeah, no, exactly. You can't even do that. Um, You mentioned, uh, earlier you mentioned Rainbow Six Vegas. Yeah, I thought that was a fantastic game. Just the story mode, because that's all I have played. Um, Just how it was able to flow pretty seamlessly between first person and third person when you're wall hugging or hiding behind objects and I thought man this would be pretty fantastic to play multiplayer but being that I don't have online and there's no real offline multiplayer or bots I mean, oh, there is co-op but right. I guess when I think of multiplayer I'm thinking I'm not thinking of co-op really right I mean you couldn't we couldn't you couldn't really do bots for co-op, that would be a little odd. No, the whole point of co-op is that you're working together, and you can't really communicate with the AI player. I don't think that'd be weird. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like uh, the game Army of Two, where I've only played it in a co-op capacity. Yeah, I have no idea how well it works playing it single player. No, I think the th- my brother, I my brother owns that game. I'm pretty sure. And I've never played it with him, so I and he he doesn't exactly have a ton of people, you know, coming over. So right. I, I'm pretty sure he played it by himself. I'd have to ask him, you know, like what it was like. But I mean, I've heard it's not bad. Yeah, it's probably it way more like, fun with somebody else. But. Yeah, that's what I imagine. Yeah. Well, one of the games that on the blog I've written about, I think I picked it for like one of my favorite games ever is Freedom Fighters. Mm-hmm. You played and the. And I love that game to death. I love the single player. But it has multiplayer. It's a bit tacked on. It's not developed. There's like three maps. Um, yeah, for what it is, it's pretty good. For what it is, yeah, it's very good. I can only imagine if they added more maps and if they added more options, it would be ten times better. But it is great what it is, and it would be so much better if you had bots of some kind in order to... I don't really need a big reason to replay that game because I love it so much. I've, I've beaten it many times. but um, And I like to just break out and play it every once in a while. But it'd be great if I didn't have to play single player anymore, as good as it is. I could play the multiplayer with some bots. But since you're not here, I can't play multiplayer. <laughs> so. Right. So, yeah. I mean, something else kind of not totally you know lost in history, but... Right. It's something you can't easily enjoy. Right. Bots really make multiplayer really suit your needs and your time frames. And not only does it suit your needs, it's actually, and this is the thing that we kind of like to wrap on, is that it's not, we don't imagine it's hard to do because it's been done before on old technology, on old game systems, going back to the PS1 and N64. So it's very possible and very within the resources available to game developers to do it. I don't imagine... I mean, I imagine that the game 
they want to get the game out as soon as possible so they can make money on it. Um, but I don't think putting in bots would make the like the development time for a game just increase. It wouldn't be delayed because they wanted to put bots in. I don't think. No, I, I imagine most of the development time goes towards um, probably graphical burn. Right. Maps, environments. Yeah. I don't know. As that, far as programming, yeah. Right. AI uh, goes, I don't think it should be yeah. too big of uh, an investment. No, definitely not. Not even in terms of time or money. It would not be much of an investment. And the return would be... Would be at least for us. At least for us, yes. I mean, and then even then, it would be available for other people if they wanted it or not. Um, it would again, it would make me consider a game more strongly than I would. Like I would not buy that James Bond game, but if they said they had bots in it or something, I would at least think about it. You know? Yeah, I'm thinking like, okay, what we have now are a lot of like on Xbox arcade or whatever, you can download versions of older games. Right. I can't imagine that in the future for game a lot of games that are coming out today where, oh, you can only enjoy what is available offline. Right. If they made compilations or whatever in the future. So I think it would be more towards their long-term interests to make games that will be attractive even with yeah. out, without online. Yes, and that's the thing we want to really stress. It's kind of a call to action, so to speak, I guess, but that we should we want game developers of first-person shooters, third-person shooters, shooters generally, to at least consider more bots and uh, more offline support because it doesn't have much of an impact on their development time or in making the game, it won't cost them any more money to do it. Yeah. And it makes the game ten times more valuable, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, tell your developer you refuse to buy it. Exactly. <laughs> New Call of Duty and we'll Lizard Pops. We'll do a letter, we'll do a letter writing campaign. And right. Make this known. AI Bot 2012. Yeah, we'll do one of those online petitions like they have for Time Splitters 4. Yeah. And then 300 people sign it, and they think that that's actually going to make them develop the game. <laughs> Someone's going to see 300 signatures online, which is a totally different thing from signing it in person, and think that that's enough. Okay, we'll make it. <laughs> I would love yeah. to see it. But anyways, that uh, that concludes uh, the podcast for now. Uh, if you want, you can definitely check us out. We're at Code Red Net. Red with two D's uh, dot blogspot dot com or Facebook code rednet Facebook dot com slash code rednet or on Twitter at 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 code rednet dot com at code rednet. Um, that's it, I think. Yeah, thanks for listening. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Code Rednet podcast. Please visit us at coderednet.blogspot.com. Check out our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. We appreciate your feedback. <laughs>